0: All right, and here we are. We have got Mark Leverington in the studio. This is going to be an exciting interview that I've been oh, looking yeah. to all week.
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah, starting off everybody's day listening to an undertaker speak. It's going to be quite the way to kick <laughs> off your day, everybody. But we're
0: going to make this awesome, <laughs> so no worries there.
1: Oh, yeah, this will be great. This will be great. I even brought a poem for everybody. So uh, What? So uh, this will be fantastic.
0: Okay, well, I'm. At, where do we even start when it comes to this sort of career path? I feel like I would have an even Easier time talking to, I don't know, a rocket surgeon or something. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what well,
0: got you into it in the first place? Let's start well,
1: there. Well, um, a funeral director. Um, that is that kind of profession is very unique. And when I was a kid, uh, I remember seeing a hearse drive by, and you would practically, you would practically freeze. At the idea that there might be a body in that hearse driving by, and later on you were you were you were taught, mom and dad would teach you, you you freeze and stand at respect. You pull your car over uh, and stop if a procession's going by, um, and so on. But anyway, the funeral procession ha- or the funeral industry has a bit of a. Thing about it, people don't know exactly. What do you do? What does the what does a funeral director do, and why do you do it? And I love uh, one of the things I love about my job is giving tours. And about it seems like about twice a year. Um, I'll bring in people, a lot of times it's high school students, teachers will bring in kids uh, for a tour or sometimes homeschool groups. Um, We have seminars throughout the year at our funeral home and we always invite people, hey do you want to have a tour of the funeral home? I'll I'll show you everything and I'll I'll bring them into the embalming room and everything and answer all the questions. My question, has anyone ever
0: fainted? Huh? Has anyone ever fainted on you? Oh no,
1: no. Uh my tours are fun. We laugh and we we uh we make it uh we make it enjoyable and we don't force anybody to go anywhere where they don't want to go. Yeah. But uh, no, absolutely <laughs> not. I'm a I'm a fun kind of guy. I like to make people laugh. I sure. like to smile and uh and I love what I do. So why did I become a funeral director? Well, it was it's really kind of a God thing. Um, okay. I believe I definitely believe in prayer and uh, I definitely believe God's God has me where He wants me to be. I went through uh, high school, and got into college and didn't know what I was going to do, and didn't have a major. In fact, I, I actually had majors. I switched it every three months. I oh. have a different major. <laughs> and I could never figure out what I wanted to do.
0: <laughs> and, you played uh, sports, I bet, though.
1: I, well, yeah, we played yeah. some sports and, uh, and things like that, but... Pretty soon I was a junior in college without a major. Uh Uh-oh. And, uh, you know, there's nothing that will get a college kid praying more (laughs) than being a junior in college without a major, accumulating student loan debt up the wazoo, and being a year away from graduating without a major and not knowing what you're doing, that will that will stress a guy out. That's true terror. Yeah. <laughs> I Well, I prayed, and I prayed. I prayed every night I went to bed, uh, Lord, show me what to do, please. Well, somebody said, Mark, you should be a funeral director.
0: Who said that? And
1: uh, it was a relative in my family, actually. Really? Okay. And uh, they, they had said that when I was probably a sophomore or first part of my college somewhere and that that stuck on me well i was a typical teenager there was there was no way i was going to be a funeral director because all a funeral director does i thought was work on dead people that's all they do they embalm and they just (laughs) you know and uh, there was no way i'd never been to a funeral in my life at that point let alone had uh, i had never seen a dead body and uh, that was not going to happen wow well anyway praying stress I decided, you know what? I don't know the truth. Never been to a funeral. How do I know what they do? Okay. So I eventually went and went to a funeral home, and it was a God thing. The, the funeral director that I, that I saw, I went and knocked on their door. I said, can I talk to you? He said, I've got all the time in the world today. Uh, he was a nice man, and he took me under his wing. And he sat down, and I told him my story, and he, and he smiled at me. And he said, I bet you think that 99% of my time is spent with dead people. And I said, yeah. (laughs) That's what I'm thinking. And he said, well, you're wrong. He said, actually, 99% of my time is with living people. Wow. And I'm trying to make a difference in their life. I'm holding their hand through a hard time, and I'm loving them through it. And practically 0.5% of my time is with a dead body. Really? So he said, get get that out of your mind, because you're hardly ever around a dead body. Well, that captivated me. And then what brought me in was the perception that I obtained of wanting to help people and wanting to make a difference in their lives. And uh, so eventually, to make a long story short, uh, he hired me. I got a, I got a part-time job there. Really? And uh, I was going to a college that didn't have mortuary science as a degree. So I had to transfer to the University of Minnesota, and that's where I graduated from. Mm-hmm. And all of my credits transferred. All of my classes were exactly what I was supposed to be taking. I didn't have to take any additional classes. I transferred to the University of Minnesota my senior year. Took my mortuary science classes and graduated on time. Everything lined up perfectly, and uh, the, that's that's the rest of the story. So
0: that is a wonderful story. That's so okay.
1: yeah, so it's definitely you know it really makes you believe this is where God wanted me to be, mm-hmm. and I absolutely love my job. I, I I don't have anybody in my family that does what I do. They're all in education and different things, wow. and uh, and I love my job. Yeah, I really do like to help people.
0: That's fantastic. Yeah. So that's one thing people didn't don't necessarily know that the majority of your time is with the living. It is.
1: Right? <laughs> <laughs> it is and you're you're helping them, you're you're doing lots of different things with them. You're uh, basically a caregiver, and uh, you're loving them through and helping them through a very difficult time in their life, and uh, you're trying to get them on the road to a healthy grieving and getting them started in a healthy way, and uh, and then you let go at the end of the funeral. You, you say goodbye, and then you stay in touch with them a little bit mm-hmm. as time goes by, but you kind of get them going on on the path of, of healthy grief. Wow. And, uh, and Is it as much of an order? art as
0: it is a science? Or just that kind of compassion aspect you have to have in this sort of business? Is it Some of it, can it be taught, or is some of it uh, just Absolutely. innate to the person?
1: Absolutely. Some of it can be taught. I, the University of Minnesota, um, of course I'm biased. I graduated from there, <laughs> but it is the Cadillac School of Mortuary Science for female directors. <laughs> Uh, we have you wouldn't believe the professors we've got they, they, uh, they are the best professors in the country wow. and you bet it can be taught uh, the things that I taught stuck with me I can remember my classes very well especially my counseling classes my psychology classes that mm-hmm. all dealt with grief and how to counsel people that are grieving so a lot of it can be taught some of it's God given I think you know I think God gave me a personality and a heart for people uh, I think he gave me a heart to, to love people that are hurting and and I feel very burdened by hurting people um, and I think that makes me a better caregiver and a better funeral director Uh, so yeah
0: wow that's wonderful yeah yeah well, what are some other aspects that people might not necessarily know? Everybody kind of has a standard vision in their heads of something a little more gloomy and, you know.
1: Oh, yeah. You know, a lot of people say, how can you do what you do? It's it's sadness all the time. And you're a fun guy and you like to laugh. How How is it that you can do what you do? And uh, it's not true. Um, it's not sadness all the time. Now, it is every once in a while. Sometimes the grief is very heavy. Sometimes I'm i'm going to bed uh... praying for people and and uh... sharing with my wife and my kids what what this family's going through and we take that grief home but Thank goodness it's not that way every time. A lot of the time it is uh, a homegoing ceremony, and we're celebrating someone's life that's going home to heaven, and they've been uh, they've been such a great uh, asset to the family, and now we're celebrating their life, and the grief isn't heavy. Yeah, there might be grief there still, but uh, but a lot of times we're we're celebrating and honoring the life lived, and uh, so yeah.
0: We've got a question here.
1: Oh, a call-in question. You had to
0: take. Are you taking
1: calls? <laughs> <laughs> You're the first one. I usually. The uh, first ta- caller. We yeah. should give away presents. Here we go. Funeral in.
0: directors have to take a test to be certified, right? That's true. What is that test
1: like? Oh, very stressful What's test. There's uh, several tests actually. Uh, I graduated in 1988, and after I graduated, I had to take three big tests. One was my federal state boards. Wow. So you have a f- you have a Uh, an American Board of Funeral Service practitioners that govern who gets licensed in America. So you have to take that federal board exam. If you pass that, Mm-hmm. Then you go on and you take your state board exam. your state board exam is the same thing only it's more has to do with state rules and government and law regarding funeral the funeral industry okay If you pass that one, then you've got another state board exam that has to do strictly with uh, cemetery regulations uh and funeral regulations It's just a little bit narrower in focus so there's three big exams and um, you've not just pass one all test three. there's three yeah yeah so yeah and uh, once you've got them then then you're in and then you get your license um, I took a in, in my situation when I graduated I I had to take a nine month internship before I got my license. Oh sure. So I took all my state boards, all my federal board exams, and then I entered a nine month residency where I worked for a funeral home as an intern. Where was that at? Uh, that was in Albert Lee, Minnesota, right okay. on the Iowa border. I bet you know where Albert Lee is since you're from Iowa.
0: That's a little farther west but yeah. Okay, I've right heard by of it. Mason
1: City. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So cool. anywhere that that's where we, and we had a you know, somebody over you that's training you and kind of on-the-job training. But they're very careful. And, uh, and uh, anyway, so yeah.
0: Wow. So the actual, you know, you mentioned the legal aspects and the certifications for the state and the federal. Mm-hmm. What about the actual nitty-gritty? Do you do the embalming of bodies or absolutely. does somebody else? You, Yeah.
1: Like Mark no, Leverington. Absolutely, I okay. do. Yeah, you know, I get that question once in a while. Do you do everything? <laughs> you
0: see the shock on my face?
1: <laughs> yeah, I do everything. I, I, I do everything. I will go to the nursing home or the hospital, and I will sit down with the family that's there, and they, they're they my priority. Mm-hmm. I, I visit with them, ask them what kind of questions they have. A lot of the, Most of the time they don't know what to do. They don't know what the next step is. So I kind of give them a roadmap. I give them some things to think about, and I tell them, you know, let's get together tomorrow, but here's some things to think about. Yeah. Here's what we're going to be dealing with. So once they have that roadmap, then they feel much more at ease and they and and they can relax and, and they see what needs to be done and we'll get together the next day. But then yes, I will take the body to the funeral home and embalm. Wow. Yes. And that might be two in the morning uh, it might be Saturday afternoon when uh, my kids want to go camping, <laughs> and I have to turn around and go home because I got to go to work. Um, or it might be it might be Monday morning or th- Monday afternoon. But yeah, obviously it happens all the time. So, uh, but I'm the guy. So and it's a very
0: time sensitive process too. You said like you may be heading out camping with the family, but you've got to go back and
1: do this. That's right. Uh, it's a lifestyle, and uh, you, um, you know, it's. Uh, it's probably not a fair comparison, but it's kind of like a, being a farmer mm-hmm. or being a dairy farmer. You can't get away. You're, you've got, you've got something to take care of, and it's people. And uh, you can try to go, and you might get to go. Like, we don't go on too many vacations. If we go on vacation, we'll have somebody help us and cover us. Okay. And my good friend Ken Ripley is, is my main guy in, here in Belfouche that covers me, who's a licensed funeral director. But uh, we don't go very often, and most of our vacations are camping down at Custer State Park, because my cell phone works down there. <laughs> and uh, if I get called, I just I just head home. Wow. So it's it ties you up, and that's why my kids... Aren't going to be funeral directors. Yeah, uh, they don't want that lifestyle. We we're talking one of them's a teacher, math. Yeah, our daughter Jessica's a middle school math teacher. She is and,
0: wonderful. I met her at the Black Hills <laughs> Roundup, and I'm just like, you're really, wait, wait, Leverington. I see the name tag. Yeah, <laughs> she's so nice.
1: Yeah, yeah, and we got three other boys. Yeah. Uh that are Two are, I guess one just finished college at Liberty University in Virginia, and then Brady is uh, going to be a junior in Minneapolis at Bethel University, and our youngest is Michael, and he'll be a senior in high school this year in Belfouche.
0: You've got a full so, house and a schedule, and that's, that's a lot, and plus you were just is. part of the, the whole parade, the Black Hills Roundup and all that. Mark Leverington's love. plate is full. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I love being part of the roundup. That's great. That's great. Wow. Hey, I brought a poem with us. Oh you with did? us. Do, okay. we, do we need to take a commercial or anything? We're good? No, we're fine. Okay, so, so this is a poem called The Undertaker. And that just kind of is a poem about undertakers that hey, you know, we're normal people. We we laugh and we cry and we're not these cold, clammy people that have no feelings like is, you see in the movies
0: is undertaker the more dated term for a funeral director
1: nope i think undertaker goes back to the 1700s okay. actually and i'm not prepared to give you the history on that term <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> but i think it goes pretty far back in modern times now we usually call us funeral directors not
0: undertakers uh
1: yeah okay R- funeral directors morticians mm-hmm. uh Undertakers, but I don't know.
0: Okay, we funeral director
1: is a little bit more professional. More professional, but here's a poem called "The Undertaker," um, and it says, "This is for the undertaker, whose story is sad to tell. For what he does is never mentioned and often overlooked as well. He's not at all what you might picture. He's not wrinkled, old, and gray. His face is not the pasty white like storybooks portray." Some people laugh and make their jokes, and some turn up their nose, and many think he is strange for the life that he has chose. But there are many things that they don't see, and even more that they don't know. Like all the nights, he gets no rest, but never lets it show. I have seen him work both day and night with no time to eat or sleep, to care for those in mourning and comfort those who weep. The load he carries on his shoulders is more than you or I could bear. But he always seems to find the time to show you that he cares. So when you see the undertaker, make sure you see the man that does the job that no one wants and no one understands. Take the time to shake his hand in a moment to just say hi. I think you'll find the undertaker is just an ordinary guy.
0: That's the cutest poem about mortuaries that i've ever heard po- it
1: might be the only one i don't know yeah. <laughs> it might be the only one
0: like really thought about that one that's quality you know? work. yeah that gets across exactly what you were saying
1: yeah it is we're we're ordinary people and we love to help people and and uh we carry the burden
0: my biggest question, which I will not let you get out of here without answering, the hearses. Tell me about them. Where do you get them? Do oh, I,
1: I brought mine with us. We could go oh, in yeah. there right now if you want to broadcast from the hearse. We could. Can we take these microphones out there?
0: I think we can manage this. Hold on. We're going to have to do no, a little bit. In. I'm
1: sorry. I'm just kidding. I got you all excited.
0: No, we can make this happen. I
1: didn't bring the hearse. I'm sorry. Oh, you didn't? No, I'm just kidding you.
0: I'm literally calling I'm the station <laughs> from my phone so I can cue up the phone on this channel. Oh,
1: I should have. Oh. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Why am Teasing—they got y'all <laughs> no, hearses, you all excited. No, hearses—you know—they are a very specialized uh, piece of equipment. I've been to a, a factory uh, and got what? a tour where they make a hearse. Oh my gosh! So hearses are very uh, interesting. Yeah. They—they they make a hearse by taking a, a, a sedan, a four-door sedan car. Usually, it's a Cadillac, a Buick, or. Um, I think it's pretty much Cadillacs and Buicks.
0: Not like a little Toyota something. No, it small can't frame. be that.
1: It's got to okay. be a big sedan car. And uh, mine is the one we mm. have is a Cadillac. And they saw that they take that four door sedan and they saw it in half, mm-hmm. right behind the back seat, right behind the front back seat. And then they they take out. Of course, they take out the back seat. They empty that back. Uh, end, and then they 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 call it a stretch. But what they do is they add about three feet of steel, so they stretch that. Thing so it 's long enough to carry a casket, obviously, and then they customize the back end, so they add about three feet of steel, they remove the back seats, customize the back end, um, and wow. put it all together and you got a hearse
0: so that's not at the Cadillac Factory is no. a secondary specialty company that does this
1: very wow. very much true yes, there's only about three factories in America that make hearses Where are they? Uh, the one I went to was in Cincinnati, Ohio. Really? Yep, yep. It was awesome. Yep.
0: Oh, I'm so in love with cars, and I'm just, everybody knows already, I'm a huge Ghostbusters fan, yeah. so I became in love with this whole, you know, hearse thing. They're just <laughs> a mechanical marvel to me, really. It's they not are. even the morbid aspect, Yeah. it's incredible. They are.
1: Yeah, they're cool. Because
0: the styling goes back, you know, way, when we were at the parade, we saw the one uh, hearse carriage yeah. with all the windows in it and everything else, and so it's just, they're beautiful, ornate kind of vehicles now, mm-hmm. as they were.
1: They are. But. And uh, I was going to say something about hearses, but oh, I was going to tell you how much a hearse costs. Oh, don't. You know, I, I like to bring kids in the garage when we do tours, and I open up the hearse, and they go in the back end, and they, they sit in there, and they, yeah. they go in the front end, and we, we start it up and stuff. And, and then I ask them, how much do you think this hearse costs? And a brand new hearse probably is about $150,000. Uh, They're not a cheap vehicle. It's kind of like a farmer buying a new combine.
0: $150,000 for a new hearse, and you're talking Cadillac in your
1: guys' case. Right. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. So when a funeral home buys a hearse, typically they'll keep it for a while.
0: Yeah, and keep it in very good condition, I imagine.
1: Yep, we baby it, that's for sure. Keep well, it they're clean going and
0: slow most of the time, aren't they?
1: Yeah, they do tend to go pretty <laughs> slow, and they don't get a lot of miles, actually, either. So, uh, so that's right.
0: purchasing said hearse might actually be a good investment if you find a used one. Yeah, <laughs>
1: that's right. That's right, yeah. I,
0: um. Actually, looking. Oh, you can get a 1969 Cadillac. Oh, let's see how much the two. A- 2018 Cadillac Brewster Stageway Crown Regal is. <laughs> She's
1: googling I hearses.
0: I am because I'm curious. in the no, it's not even giving me prices. Uh, see. Yeah, yep. that's amazing though. Can I go to the factory. <laughs> that yep. was my big question. Where did these vehicles come from? How do I get one? Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, and you you could have a hearse. There's no there's no law that says you couldn't buy a hearse and, oh, and have a hearse. It's
0: a big old big uh, anybody can wagon. buy a
1: hearse. Yeah, if anybody wants to spend that much money, you can you can go get a hearse. <laughs> Oh you can come and buy mine, maybe too. I'd sell you mine.
0: <laughs> I <can> gotta <laughs> save go. up a little for a yeah, smart. That's but, right. That's uh, right. Well, what else have we not covered that people don't ordinarily know or usually ask you about when they're there?
1: Well, there's, there's, we could talk about the costs of a funeral. And, okay. And let's talk money. You know, Mark. your listeners out there probably have heard a lot of funeral home advertisements, and. Sometimes I, if I was in their shoes, I would think, "Why does every funeral home want me to come pre-plan my funeral? Yeah. Why is everybody? Why is every funeral home pushing that?"
0: While you're still alive, they can get your money. And uh, no, 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 <laughs> it's kidding. not
1: about that. <laughs> uh, there is a reason, and it's it's because we want to help you. Yeah. Uh, there, when when a family comes to me and they pre-plan their funeral. Sometimes they will set money aside, or sometimes they won't. Pre-planning doesn't necessarily mean you're putting money away. Sure. Uh, There's two types of pre-planning, and one of them just involves helping me gather information so that I can make this easier for you. But if you'll notice on TV and radio a lot of a lot of funeral homes are pushing that and I always think, you know, are the people do they understand are we trying to trick you or why are, why do we want you to come pre-plan and it really is uh, um, because we want to help you and because it makes a lot of sense. So, how does how does pre-planning help a family? I've never met a family that has pre-planned and walked away thinking... And regretted it? I regret doing yeah. that. Why did I do that? I've never had a family say, I, you know, I really regret pre-planning. That mm-hmm. was a dumb idea. I've never met one family <laughs> that has said that. Pre-planning is a, is a help. It mm-hmm. helps you. It helps me to help you. Uh, when somebody has pre-planned and, and they pass away and I've got a file, I pull up that file. Even before I go to the hospital, I'll, I'll pull up that file and I'll refresh my mind on all the family members, on um, what the plan is, and when I meet that family, I can. I, I'm ready to go. I know how to help you much better. I'm much more able. It's like I've got a tool. Yeah, on how you're not to help starting
0: you. from ground zero. Right.
1: And your family is much better off as well. Now, if, when you put money aside mm-hmm. and create a funeral trust. Then you're giving a gift to your family. You're giving a gift to your kids. You're, you're taking off all of that pressure uh, of coming up with the money. Um, you're, you're making it just so much easier. And then the, probably the number one reason to set aside money for a funeral is you're going to save money. You save so much money if you get it paid for in advance you're not really? affected by price increases uh, we get we have a product where you can get three to four percent interest on the money that that is put in
0: what age do you recommend that people start doing this at
1: well they should you know I would say 50 60 70s you know 50 to 70 somewhere in there would be a good idea um, that's for sure um, but pre-planning is is a safe thing I don't take your money I don't get anything uh, if you come in and pre-plan your funeral and even pay for your funeral ahead of time, I am I'm benefited in no way. I don't get that money. I don't put that in my checking account. That money gets set aside, put in into put into a trust. Yeah, sure. and we do it for free. We don't charge you for. We're not like a lawyer where we're going to charge you for our our, our visitation <laughs> time here. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's all free. Um, everything's free. Uh, I don't get any of it. There's 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 absolutely nothing in it for me. Other than knowing I can help you, and it's it's very wise. Wow. So pre-planning is a big deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, funerals cost a lot of money. Uh, you can go to the national averages, and they say a national average. Uh, is about eight thousand dollars for for a funeral that has a a casket in and viewing and embalming and everything like that, but that is not exactly truthful it 's actually more than that because the cost of a funeral when they when they quote you that national average of eight thousand dollars what they 're quoting you is an average price casket and the in the services of the funeral home they 're not including other expenses that come into play, like cemetery expenses, mm. uh, the the grave and the vault and things like that. So it's actually more than that, when, uh, to be truthful. Wow. So.
0: Oh, and what about the casket? The cost on that? In movies you see like, oh, we're going to get them a pine box or this, you know, chariot of a casket, do they range that widely or what's a little kind of info on the actual casket
1: part? Yeah, caskets uh, have a big price range uh, and they are made out of lots of different materials.
0: No longer pine boxes or still pine boxes?
1: Yes. Well, You can get one. I have a pine box. (laughs) I do. (laughs) Like for display or it's just, did it? No, if you want a pine box, I will get you a pine (laughs) box. I've got it on display. Wow. Yes. uh, So, yeah, that's that's kind of funny, but no, there's a lot of different price prices on caskets. They can they can be as low as thousand dollars or fifteen hundred dollars. Uh, yeah. And they can go up to four thousand dollars if you wanna hmm. if you want a Cadillac, you know.
0: Or the pine box for your mother in law. Some yeah, there.
1: that's right. Some <laughs> people, you know we just saw a thing on the national news the other day that Costco is selling caskets. And you can go get your own casket at Costco and Costco casket. And they think that you're gonna save money by doing that. I wish the viewers could see
0: my eyeballs right now. (laughs) It's a what?
1: And uh, (laughs) if you have a Costco nearby that sells caskets, everybody, you're not going to save any money going there. Go to your funeral home and save some money because you will definitely have cheaper caskets at your local funeral home.
0: More... Price friendly? Yeah. Not I don't know how you could get cheaper than a Costco casket, but price friendly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like that just <laughs> right. the definition of cheap has multiple definitions.
1: Yeah. Weird Costco
0: right. caskets. I don't know if I could do it. Yeah. I don't know. So. I take that pine box from you know locally sourced wood.
1: <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> well,
0: anyway, we can uh, we can get wrapping up here. But what else did I, I think we've covered? Hearses, the emotion behind it, everything that goes into it. What else am I missing? Am I missing any pieces?
1: Well, I want to talk about one thing. Oh, um, yeah. Who is the funeral for? Oh. Who is the funeral for? We have, you know, it's very easy, very custom, f- or uh, very common for people to say, Oh, just just burn me up and throw my ashes out in the pasture, and I don't yeah. need a funeral and everything like that. And, uh, But who is the funeral for? Is it for the person who died, or is it for the person who is left behind?
0: Is that depending on the family?
1: Well every situation's different but I'm going to say the funeral is has nothing to do uh, with helping the person who died. It's mm-hmm. not going to help that person at all. The funeral is actually a gift to the family that's left behind. And I would, sub- I would submit that if you don't have a funeral, yeah. you're actually going to have about 900 funerals every day for the next 900 days.
0: Oh, every, yeah, Because every time you run it.
1: into somebody at the grocery store, mm. they're going to say, you're going to have to tell them their story. You go to the post office and it's somebody else and you're going to tell your story 900 times for the next 900 days. Oof. And you're going to have a funeral you're going to have a funeral, but it's going to be nine hundred days worth of funerals. Mm. Uh, funerals are for the living, and it's a big help to them. And when we have a funeral, what are we doing? well we're we're celebrating the life that was lived. Yeah. Um, a lot of times we're having it at a church, so're we're, we're honoring God and we're thanking God and we're worshiping God. It's kind of like a church service, and we're going back to our Christian heritage and saying, "Thank you, Lord." for giving us this life and we're setting aside this time to thank you and to honor you for that uh it's also about reunions we're we're gathering the family together and we're having a family reunion and how helpful is that uh for people that have lost a loved one um we're also gathering the community and we are doing different things in a funeral we're Reading scripture that reconfirm or re- encourage us and remind us that God is in control and he, his hand is in this and he's with us and that he's faithful. Mm-hmm. We're, going, we're singing songs that remind us and encourage us, but we're ending the service on a lunch. And it not it interesting that all funerals end with a lunch? The last thing you do at a funeral is you eat food.
0: Yeah, you go down in that church basement and you eat delicious food that everyone has made. Yeah, so that's how you know small town Iowa does it. That's right. But, but yeah, why is that a tradition as well, or is that just because people get hungry after a service? <laughs> like crying makes me hungry, so well, <laughs> <I> yeah. <imagine. laughs>
1: what we are doing there is creating an, an environment that gives you um, a kickstart into life goes on. This is. Uh, we, most of the time, we don't end the service at the cemetery. Sometimes we have to do that. Sometimes we'll have the lunch first and then go to the grave, and you'll go home from the cemetery. And sometimes it is that way. But most of the time... Cemetery and then lunch. Yeah, most yep. of the time it's cemetery and then lunch. And the lunch is a symbolic thing where this, these are really? your closest friends. These are your friends and neighbors that are going to be with you mm-hmm. the rest of your life. And they are the ones that are going to help you get through this uh, for the rest of your life.
0: Boy, isn't it just a fact, going back to your psychology classes, that people bond over eating together.
1: That is true. It's just kind of the way people... You have a high school graduation or a wedding or anything. If we do anything, we bring food. (laughs) Yeah. And we eat and we drink (laughs) and we we get merry and we have fun and we tell stories. Uh, Same thing, you know. Uh, they often say a wedding, a wedding ceremony is like a funeral. We're saying goodbye. Oh the my groom, gosh! It
0: really? Is. It's
1: all about saying goodbye. The the husband and the groom, they come yeah. down, and they hug their parents goodbye. We go, we 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 take our vows, we have lunch, and there they go, and they're gone. And they leave home. They leave the nest. And, of course, we see them again and so on. But it's similar to a funeral where we have the ceremony, we we say the scriptures, we sing the songs, we go downstairs and have lunch, (laughs) and we go home. I have never thought
0: about that, but that is eerily similar.
1: Yeah, it is. It is similar. Wow. So, uh, yeah, so the funeral is is, uh, really a gift to the family. Um, It helps them move on, Mm -hmm. and it helps them... Uh, t- to have some healthy grieving and get going on the road. Sure. It's not about closure. Some people say, "Well, you know, we just need this closure." It's really not that. In fact, you can't have closure at a funeral. Mm-hmm. When you think about it, when you're when you are grieving, you have a wound. You've been you've been wounded, and before you can have that wound closed, we need to open it up. We need to get the infection out we need to stitch it up and it needs to start healing and the closure comes later and that's what the funeral does the funeral will open up that wound per se clean it out stitch it up together with friends and family and the service and you are on your way to closure after the funeral and you are on the road to a healthy grief uh, that's going to that's going to heal. Then you'll have healing well, later on. You take away the funeral and you complicate that grief. Yeah. It is harder. makes grief harder to get through.
0: I'm sure it makes it even easier if everything is planned out and you know what's going to happen and you've addressed these concerns first. That grieving process just gets facilitated even more.
1: Yes, that's right. So, remember, the funeral's for the living, not the dead. <laughs> It helps them. It's a gift to them. So don't say, don't put all this pressure on your wife and say, I don't want a funeral. Just just cremate me and, and scatter me in the winds.
0: Now it's kind of like you're, saying. You're taking away
1: something there. Whatever
0: you want to do for the wedding, I don't care. You do it. Yeah,
1: that's right. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Which
0: no woman would ever stand for that. <laughs>
1: that's right, yeah. <laughs>
0: well, cool. Um, I think. Not,
1: the- are we going to end now? Because I've got a joke.
0: Oh, you've got a joke.
1: I've got a, my favorite funeral right. kind of joke.
0: Oh, no, we're not ending then. What do we have? Funeral
1: directors have the greatest memories, yeah. uh, the greatest experiences. We we have funny stories that we could tell on and on and on. So, before <laughs> I read funny. this joke, uh, well, I don't know if I should tell stories, but uh, my favorite story is a is a funeral director that worked with me who was deathly afraid of snakes. And uh, we went <laughs> to a cemetery one time. It was a country cemetery, yeah. and we uh, we got the casket out of the hearse, and we're we had a long walk. Uh, the grave was probably. Fifty yards away, so we had the pallbearers come, Yeah. and I was on one end, and my funeral director friend was on the other end, and he was actually leading. <laughs> he was leading the way to the grave. Oh, this is going to be he, good if you're already. When he comes upon a snake, and it was just a garter snake, nothing life threatening. Oh. But it was so hilarious to watch him because he let go of that casket, <laughs> and <laughs> he started running. He took a right hand turn, and he he just completely disappeared. <laughs> oh my uh, gosh! And off
0: he goes. Yeah.
1: So anyway, I've got a I've got a a joke called Pecans in the Cemetery. Okay. Do you know what a pecan is? It's yeah. A, it's boom. a nut? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. On the outskirts of a small town, there was a big old pecan tree just inside the cemetery fence, and one day, two boys filled up a bucket full of nuts, and they sat down by the tree out of sight, and they began dividing the nuts. One for you, one for me, one for you, one for me, said the one boy. Several dropped and rolled down toward the fence. Another boy came riding along the road on his bicycle, and he he passed by. He thought he heard voices coming from the inside of that cemetery. So he slowed down to investigate, and sure enough, he heard, one for you, one for me, one for you, one for me. He just knew what it was, and he jumped back on his bike and rode off and took off as fast as he could. Just around the bend, he met an old man with a cane hobbling along. "'Come here, quick,' said the boy. "'You won't believe what I heard. "'Satan and the Lord are down at the cemetery dividing up the souls.' "'The man said, "'Beat it, kid. "'Can't you see it's hard for me to walk?' "'When the boy insisted, though, the man hobbled slowly to the cemetery. "'Standing by the fence, they still heard the voices, "'one for you, one for me, one for you, one for me. "'The old man whispered, "'Boy, you've been telling me the truth. "'Let's see if we can see the Lord.' Shaking with fear, they peered through the fence, yet were still unable to see anything. The old man and the boy, they gripped the wrought iron bars of the fence tighter and tighter as they tried to get a glimpse of the Lord. At last they heard, one for you, one for me. That's all. Now let's go get those nuts by the fence when we're all done.
0: That's hilarious. <laughs> Where did that one come from? Where would you find that?
1: I don't know. I had this in my file. Really? Um, I did some radio stuff in my past, and I kept jokes and would share them once in a while. So I just pulled that out of my file. I remember that joke. It's kind of funny.
0: See, I, you are the most prepared interview I have ever had. You brought poems. <laughs> you brought jokes. Yeah, you brought
1: <laughs> yeah that's right. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Just
0: remind me. All right, so have you... Ever read this, and I gotta have this question asked because I've been wondering forever, but I read somewhere once that it's still legal in the United States to have a Viking funeral on a body of water if it's not too close to a building. Have you ever heard this?
1: No. We're
0: gonna have to investigate to, after this show's yep, over. We'll get you, back to you. Is this
1: like Minnesota Vikings?
0: Oh, like guy Yeah, we're <laughs> no, going
1: <gonna> <laughs> I need you to define a Viking funeral. I'm not sure what that is. Nobody's would ever
0: asked Leverington funeral homes for a Viking funeral.
1: No. Would you do yet. it? I would do it, yes. Wow. I would do it. We would do it in a heartbeat.
0: this radio DJ in the next 50 years, (laughs) that's what's happening. All right, well, thank
1: you very much, Mark. Hey, thanks for having me. This was fun. I hope the listeners maybe learned something. Um, And uh, we're just, uh, we love what we do. We care about people. And uh, we serve western South Dakota and parts of Wyoming and everywhere. And uh, we're all about helping people. So thanks for having me.
0: Absolutely. Mark Leverington, Leverington Funeral Homes, a local place here in Belle Fouche. And uh, just a great community organizer and helper here. So wonderful stuff. We're going to get you into the Laura show shortly. And then uh, don't miss, we got more news and weather coming up at noon.